Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, helping you decrease your time spent creating content by up to 50% while doubling your online engagement. Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts, Jeffrey L. Cohen, Director of Content Strategy at Oracle Marketing Cloud, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. Very excited today. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. I've got Jeff Cohen with me from Oracle Marketing Cloud. And it's really funny, actually, if you listen to the last Content Pros podcast, we had Jess Ostroff on, and she was talking about how much of a pain it is sometimes to coordinate people's calendars. <laughs> you know, you're trying to find that calendar back and forth with different people. And, you know, we were like, you know, calling out for, for help. And, and sure enough, on this episode, we're going to learn about a company that does that. But more so, we're going to learn about their growth. Um, a company called Calendly, and the person joining us is K- Claire Sullentrop. Claire is the Director of Marketing at Calendly, and she's going to tell us a really interesting story about how they've grown in a very transactional business, which, you know, Jeff, is really different than the way you and I think about business. We think about leads and things like that. Maybe maybe you want to set a little bit more context and bring in Claire. Absolutely. Thanks, Randy. And great to be here for another episode of Content Pros. And this is going to be a a bit of a different conversation because, as Randy said, the, the story of Calendly is as much about growth and we're going to look at that growth and how content has played a role as opposed to the other way where we, we generally focus on what the content itself. So Claire, welcome to Content Pros. Thanks so much, guys. It's really great to be here. So let, let's just start off by telling people what, what Calendly is and, and just start, start a little bit into what that growth story is looking like. Sure. So I'll start at the at the beginning and I'll I'll try to give that Cliff Notes version. Um, but Calendly is simple, beautiful scheduling. It's a it's a little tool that really sits anywhere along the path. Um, well, for for many types of people uh, of their workday, and it makes the process of scheduling meetings way 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 simpler. So. Um, like you mentioned, Randy, uh, usually that involves a couple of emails. It might inco- it might include a voicemail or two, um, but Calendly allows someone who wants to meet with you um, to see all your free times and then grab one themselves, add themselves to your calendar in a way that you can still control. And then that's really the extent of it. So um, it's something that you know from a from a tech perspective specifically. There's again, there's many segments, but. It sits anywhere along that pre-sale and then post-sale funnel, where you've got to where you've got to meet with someone to get a deal done and then make sure they're successful. Um, and as far as the growth story goes, it's something that began because um, Tope, our CEO, experienced that pain of scheduling himself. Um, so he comes from a sales soft or a software a sales background in software, um, and initially was like, wow. A lot of a lot of effort is going into meeting with clients, um, meeting with prospects, and just trying to 
um, create a great experience there. Um, so that was initially the problem that it set out to solve. Um, and I came on board uh, in late 2014 to help him transition the product from its beta version into its freemium model. Um, and then in there, since then, we've we've really seen um, a huge amount of growth in a fairly small amount of time. So at the first year, um, we reached our one million in ARR, um, and now we're we're reaching the end of 2016, and we're a little bit over 3.5, um, and then intend essentially to to keep rocketing upward in 2017. And I'm happy to go into any of the details of that. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, it has been a really, really interesting journey as far as what has fueled that growth um, and where content fits in. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Clear Voice. Need a freelance writer? Clear Voice Marketplace can help you. Looking for trending topics or influencers? No problem. Clear Voice Content Studio is the answer for that one. Looking to store all your brand guidelines, keywords, and personas in one accessible space? That's right, Clear Voice can do that too. Even pay all your writers from one secure account. Go to demo.clearvoice.com for a free demo and tell them your friends at Content Pros Podcast sent you. So what what's interesting to me about the story, some of the, the information you provided beforehand mm-hmm. Is when you look at when you look at content in this kind of model, uh, we are we are so used to long sales cycles and content really working working through all steps of the journey and uh, different buyer personas and and all that sorts of stuff. But what you, but what you're looking at is a, almost a, a different model of content where you're focusing on things like awareness at the top mm-hmm. but because it's a because it's a freemium product it's almost like you're creating customer content as well in other words to convert a, a, a user of the product to a paid user of the product can can you share what some of what that looks like and and yes yeah, since we are talking about growth it, it would be interesting to always keep that growth hat on as we're having this content <laughs> conversation absolutely so if we if we do jump back to that beginning phase when I came on board, um, you know the the initial intent was to create the launch strategy. So, how are we going to get this product out to people? How will we educate them about where it fits in their lives and how it changes their workflow? Um, but what we found was that because it was such an easy product to adopt, um, which hats off to our development team, really, uh, that's all on them. Um, because it was such an easy product to adopt, the process of getting people into the tool once they found out about it was was quite quick. So we're looking at a very different um, education cycle than, as you mentioned, than a, a less transactional product, than a product that either is it takes more time to implement or it's a much higher price point, whatever it may be. And so what we found was that a couple of things were, well, one thing in particular was fueling Calendly's growth um, really all on its own. And that was just the nature of the product. So when I use Calendly and I, I, I have a little Calendly link um, that shows you when I'm free and I send it to you, um, you can schedule with me. And then at the very end, there's a little button that says, get your own Calendly, it's free. Um, so we essentially had built it so that Calendly demos itself when a new person uses it. Um, and that was extremely successful in bringing new people into the product. So um, for what that looks like over the span of time, um, 
we started when we when we went from freemium into or from free into <laughs> excuse me when we went from beta into freemium um, we had about 14,000 users and we now a couple of years later have about 400,000 users. So, um, a lot of things have contributed to that, but even early on, we saw that as our, as our chief, our chief, um, I guess, <laughs> fueler of growth. Um, so the content really was designed to enhance that, um, or for people who were, sh- were struggling or confused with whether or not Calendly was right for them. Um, what's the tiniest little push that they need to go to the next step. What what's the tiniest thing that we can give them to educate them enough to sign them up? Um, and we and after that, what is going to keep them on board? So we really began to approach our growth from a, a customer success metric or a series of metrics or standpoint, um, at which rather than create content designed to get people into the app, we had to focus on okay, they're in the app. What's the key action they need to take to get to? scheduling with someone? Do they have to connect their calendar? Do they have to do X, Y, Z? What kind of content do we have to create um, to push them to do that? Is it a help document? Is it an onboarding email series um, that guides them from point A to point B to point C and so on? Um, So even from the very beginning, a lot of the content creation we did focused on um, customer success versus education about scheduling in general. Um, so in those early days, a lot of what I was making was the things that typically um, post-sale teams are focusing on. So it was help articles. It was onboarding sequences. It was um, you know those sequences that you send a little bit later on if someone has gone silent and you want to make sure they're doing okay. Um, so it wasn't until this year, really, that we began to turn around and say, okay, now that now that we've kind of got all these structures in place, let's focus on generating greater awareness for people who haven't even heard of a scheduling tool, um, and getting in front of in getting in front of new audiences. Um, so it's been a really really interesting and like you mentioned, kind of um, unique uh, journey in that way as compared to a lot of um, a lot of content out there. So that's that's really interesting, Claire. Like you know, first of all, like I'm blown away, right? Like four hundred thousand users, really I mean, everyone everyone heard you say that, and you just kind of said it in passing. But I mean, that's that is impressive. That's that's really exciting, and I can only imagine being along for that ride. You know, and it's interesting as you described. I, I'm just wondering what your emotions were like taking on this role with you know the the founder there and. You know, understanding you're coming in as a marketing role and, you know, ready to embrace content you described. And then what was your emotion when you were creating support articles? And, you know, I think some content creators, sometimes we have, you know, such a pride to focus on, you know, that true content marketing, non-product, not salesy. But it sounds like your writing skills were really useful in this other way. How did you balance that just in terms of the emotion? Oh my goodness. So you touched on a couple of things that are very, very true. Um, so 400,000 users, I, I did run past that. Um, but it's, it's really crazy, uh, to look at what kind of growth that is month over month. Um, and so as far as the emotion goes, um, you know, when I came on, right, you as a content creator, you as someone who lives in the marketing world kind of have this own conception or, or a notion of what your, um, what your role is going to be and, and what kind of work you're going to do. Um, but Calendly has also been, um, for me, and this is a personal standpoint, this is, this is not, you know, um, a company standpoint, but Calendly for me has been just an ex- 
just a, a huge experiment in, in really doing the work across the entire department. Um, and that's going to be the case for, I'm, I'm sure many early, early stage teams understand this. You know, you may be um, the marketing director, but if there is no sales team, you're also the sales team. If there is no, um, you know, as, as a number, I'm, I may have mentioned this, and I'm sorry if I if I'm repeating myself. Um, but I was the I was the second hire at the company, and so between the CEO and myself, um, we wore all the hats. and And I know anyone who's listening who's founded their own um, product or company is going to identify with that as well. So, I guess as far as what I did to balance that emotion, um, or what I did to transition from I am the marketing director to I am the marketing director, but I'm also taking care of all these customers. Um, long term, and and making sure that they stay with the product, um, you know, I looked at it as this isn't really this isn't really about me and the and the uh, type of work I want to be known for just yet. This is about how can I fuel whatever type of growth is going to be most useful here, and if that's if that's going to be um, reducing churn for now, okay, great, we'll focus on that. Um, and then we'll put all the little pieces together. Once we've focused on how we're going to take care of churn, once we've focused on how we're going to create success, um, then then we can focus on the that top of funnel awareness, and we can focus on educating people moving forward. Um, so it gave me it, it gave me a, a really unique perspective in that it let me touch all sides of the business, which you don't really get to do once you've come on board at a team that's already. 50 people big or a hundred people big or so on, you, you know, your, your role is much more specialized and that's also really valuable. Um, but I now am able to look at what a startup needs, um, not just from its marketing perspective, but also how do those marketing tactics interact or work with, um, the, the post-sale tactics. Um, it's, it's been a really, really, it's been very chaotic. Um, but it's also been so cool to just, you know, look at all sides of that growth. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, it makes so much sense what you're saying. I mean, in, in my role here at Uberflip, uh, you know, I get to talk to a lot of marketing leaders, even of larger companies and enterprises. We have a lot of enterprise right. customers who listen to content pros and mid-market companies. And, you know, a lot of them that I speak to actually of late, it's, it's actually been refreshing because they're, they're actually saying a lot of what you're saying, which is that, you know, we need to view content not as this separate department, that just is going to create a certain format of content. It's more content needs to be something we infuse throughout the entire buyer journey, throughout the entire marketing department, and we use it at the right time, you know, to do whatever it is that we need to accomplish. And I think that's a bit of almost the maturing of, of content as it's being infused into these companies. And it's really cool to see that you were almost thrust into that into that early stage of, of where you were. So very, very cool. Just, uh, just let's bring it more present day, right? You know, like you said, you, you grew from those 14,000 users to 400,000. And, you know, you talk about churn and things like that. I'm, I'm a Calendly user. Uh, you guys got me, as you said, through that, you know, someone else was using it and I, I went and booked through and I'm like, this would be great to have myself. So right. that's how you got me. But now I, I actually do check things like you guys send a newsletter. Maybe you could talk to some of the things that you do from a, a content marketing perspective to engage those 400,000 people on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Sure. So if we, if we move to present day, um, and I can talk a bit about all the different things we've been doing this year, um, what we've, what we've really known is that now that we have, you know, now that we have that chief, 
uh, I guess, funnel of growth in place. And we've also got the resources um, to make sure that our users are successful, although that can always be improved. I I don't say that as in we're not focusing on it uh, because there's always room for optimization. Um, but what we do know now is that we, we've, been, we've, be, we've reached a point at which we can start to focus on a couple of different things. One is engaging new people who have, maybe they've never heard of Calendly, maybe they've never even heard of a scheduling tool. I mean, um, when it comes to people who use Google Calendar or Outlook, Office 365, that's a, that's a huge group of people. So even with 400,000 users, we have so much room to grow. Um, and so marketing this year has has turned around <laughs> and um, and focused on that pre-sale experience um, as well as as well as tried to engage our users in a way that's more conversational and less only about the product. Um, so a couple of things that we've that we've talked about in trying to make those decisions is if someone has never ever heard of a scheduling tool before, um, or if they're if potentially they're using, you know, another scheduling tool and it's, and it's something that, you know, they're neutral about. So they could be, they could be open to a different solution. What are they, what's going to be most valuable to that person? And, and this is the job of all content, right? It's to create value in some way, whether that's to establish a relationship, whether it's to educate, it's, it's supposed to solve some kind of problem um, or fill some kind of need that a potential customer has. And so for us, um, what we noticed was a couple of things uh, in actually interviews that we did with our existing power users. Um, so we, the first thing we did um, from the top of this year uh, down to probably like end of Q1 or so was spend a lot of time in customer, in customer research. So I was interviewing our power users in, our, um, in, our all, in all our different segments, and there's about six of those. Um, but what we noticed in the in the widest segment, which was uh, sales teams um, and customer success teams and anyone along that pre and post sale funnel, um, what we noticed was um, well, it was a couple of things. Uh, it was both the the pain points that led people to seek a scheduling tool, um, and so we knew we needed to be creating more content around that and either agitating that pain um, or showing people that we were that we were solving that pain. But then we also noticed something really interesting. Um, we noticed that people use Calendly um, not only to solve the immediate need of scheduling, but also because it makes their, if I'm a director of sales, especially at a software company, I want my team to look like they are at the forefront of technology and that they're using the newest, most innovative solutions and that they're, you know, they're, they can be trusted when it comes to selling and, and providing technology. And so people were signing up for Calendly because they liked how it functioned. They liked the look of it. They liked the the very, very quick, simple experience. And they saw that as a reflection of themselves or the type of team or the type of um, business professional that they wanted to be. And so we actually began to focus a lot of our content um, around positioning Calendly as something that leaders use, that um, people who are innovators use. And so that really guided, and if you were to go to um, our blog, and it's just blog.calendly.com, you would see a lot of content about how this sales leader at this company um, solved this big problem. And then Calendly would be woven into that story somehow. Or um, a great interview that I held uh, with Brooke, who's um, she's over at Intercom, for example. She, uh, she herself writes a lot of great content about 
how customer success can play a role in um, in a modern company strategy. And she's a Calendly user. So we found that a really, really appropriate story to tell because Intercom is so well known in that space. Um, so that so understanding that our users see Calendly as something that is a positive reflection of themselves led us to create a content structure and strategy around that. Um, and that has created a lot of very story-based content. Um, it's created a lot of interviews. It's created a lot of webinars um, with leaders in sales and customer success at other companies. Um, and then as far as how we've led, or I guess not just how we've created some top of funnel awareness with that, but how have we engaged our existing users? Um, we actually follow a very specific structure when it comes to that engagement uh, because we don't want to we don't want to send people too many emails uh, because our our users actually get an email every time someone schedules a meeting with them. So they're probably seeing the they're probably seeing the name Calendly in their inbox a lot. Um, so we have to be really careful when it comes to what we're going to send them. Is it is it truly creating value? Um, so we always try to when we're when we're giving people that type of content, whether it's showing them other cool users like themselves, or whether it's uh, something that's more like a guide to getting the most out of Google Calendar. Um, we always try to position that as something that's an add-on to what's most, most relevant, which is the product itself. So uh, for example, um, we we rolled out Salesforce integration earlier this year. Um, and we decided that, uh, well, in addition to rolling out Salesforce integration, we were also launching um, our webinar strategy, um, which I'm happy to go into as well in a second. Um, but we decided that rather than separate those two events, um, we would combine them and we would reduce the number of emails people were getting um, and try to introduce the webinar strategy with um, the most relevant feature release as well. Um, actually, and that itself seems to be a bit of a faux pas because then you're you're diluting possibly the number of people who click one or two things. Um, but in our minds, what made more sense, what made the most sense was to deliver information in the way that was the quickest and the simplest um, and involved the fewest interactions with our users. So we rolled out Salesforce integration. And as a footnote to that, e- that email about a feature release, we said, by the way, if this is interesting to you, uh, we also are launching a webinar series. And the first one will be about sales and it'll be about Um, We actually work with Terminus on that one. Um, It will be about how their sales director, Tony, grew their team from one person to, um, you know, I think she's got several dozen people. Um, So if you liked the Salesforce update, you can also watch this webinar and join us and ask questions live. Um, So when it comes to engaging our existing users with content, we try to keep it as as simplistic as possible and as focused on um, the product. And then content kind of plays an add-on value piece um, because... Our, our biggest concern is that we're, we don't want to over communicate. We don't want to, we don't want to fill people's inboxes with too, with too much, um, too much of ourselves, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's a, it's a great understanding of, of how you need to mix your content with your other marketing messages or other, I guess, product messages as they're flowing. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Uberflip and their weekly podcast called Flip the Switch where they bring some of the brightest marketing minds together to provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, and a fresh approach to the content marketing challenges you face daily. Head over to bit.ly slash flip content to discover the tips and tactics that will help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. I want to dig into something that's kind of super granular, just 
based on based on what you said. We talk all the time about talking to our customers, interviewing our customers, and and you actually mentioned it in in two contexts. One to to understand the product, understand what kinds of content you should create, as well as using it from a content creation point. And very often people don't really understand the best ways to to literally go about how do you do that? How do you how do you define the customers? How do you connect with them? Obviously, we know how you would be scheduling those meetings. <laughs> but just that basic process of, okay, I want to find my 10 best customers and I want to talk to them. I, I People think, oh, they can do email surveys and things like that. But right. it really is those conversations that are, that are so, so important. So can, can you dig into like literally the, the how to of that? Because I think that would, that would help our listeners wrap their heads around some of those ideas. Absolutely. Um, and I am so grateful that you went back to that topic because this, uh, this is, this aspect is actually my favorite part of the entire marketing journey is digging in to understand what's going on with your customers. So, um, what we did was identify, uh, and, and I'll go step by step. And if at any point I'm getting too slow, just tell me. <laughs> uh, okay, sure. But what we did was look at what what features or what characteristics um, signal that someone is like the the optimal Calendly user. Um, so for us, the the biggest metric there is the number of meetings scheduled. Because the more meetings are being, the more meetings a customer is scheduling the the more a couple of things are happening the more their their product our product is just living in their workday very naturally and two um the more they're exposing calendly to other people so the first people we wanted to talk to were the ones that were scheduling the greatest number of meetings and then also we wanted to figure out um who are the who not only are scheduling meetings but calendly can be purchased um as a, as a team-wide product. So a director of sales or a director of success or a director of a research department or whatever it may be can purchase licenses for their entire, their entire staff. Um, so not just who's scheduling the most meetings, but also who has the buying power on that team. What does that person need to, what is, what, what needs does that person have that are unique are unique and that we need to be speaking to? So we looked for, um, a couple of things within our own, our own, I guess, a database of users. We looked for who, who was the most active and who, um, out of those people who were most active, had buying power um, and, and had purchased multiple licenses. Uh, because with Calendly, I mentioned that you can buy it as a team product. You can also buy it solo. Um, so it, our, ideal, our ideal customer was someone who scheduled a lot, um, had buying power and not only had buying power, but wanted to buy multiple accounts or multiple licenses, uh, because the more of those people we get, um, the larger our growth. So, uh, we were able to essentially, and that took, that took me going through our data in intercom. It took, it took, it took us manually, um, you know, doing the work to actually find those people in our, in our sea of users, um, just by creating, just by creating different filter views to identify them. Um, and then, and then from there, it was direct outreach. And, you know, like anything, you position that as something that's going to, you know, make the other person feel good. So it, it was, hey, you're a really, really big user of ours. Um, and we, we appreciate that so much. We, you know, in making, in making the experience better, we would love your insight. Would you be open to 30 minutes on the phone with us? We have a couple questions to go through. 
um, you know, and we're happy for your time to send you a Starbucks gift card or an Amazon gift card or um, a Calendly t-shirt or whatever it may be. Um, because we wanted the, we wanted the experience to feel much more personal than, like you mentioned, um, a more scalable option, like a survey, um, or like a, or like a poll. Um, and a lot of work went into that. Obviously, you know, you're talking about the hours of doing the research to find people and then the outreach and then this, and then the scheduling and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I so strongly agree with you that that is the number one way you can get insight on what people actually care about. Uh, because it's only in a real conversation that there's room to ask them to expand on something. I mean, you can't ask someone in, you cannot ask someone in an email survey, Hey, could you please write an extra paragraph about something? It just it doesn't work that way. Um, and so we put a lot of work into, into inviting those people into interviews in a way that was very them focused. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, it's a process of making sure you're asking the right questions. So I'm sure, I'm sure the two of you have, not only heard about, but probably used yourselves, um, the whole jobs to be done method. Um, what we wanted to figure out in our interviews with people was what job are people hiring, quote unquote, Calendly to do for them. Um, and so a lot of the questions were focused on things that weren't, that weren't black and white. It wasn't, um, it wasn't as simple as, you know, why did you buy this product or, um, or something so, so I guess direct. It was, it was a lot more, um, the interviews, the interviews focused a lot on things like, you know, take me back to what you were doing before Calendly, like paint me that picture. What did that scenario look like? Um, and we wanted to get a view of what people's worlds were like when they, when they had no scheduling tool in place. And then our questions were designed to slowly guide them through the process of becoming aware of the product, um, into what, into what they needed to understand or what they needed to know to then buy the product or sign up for it and then later buy it. So we would ask questions. Um, the first one I mentioned was take me back to your life before Calendly, like paint me that picture, tell me what it looked like. Um, and then the progression of that was things like, okay, so at what point did you realize this wasn't working for you? Um, or did you ever realize that, um, was it something that you weren't really aware could be improved upon and you just happened to be introduced to Calendly um, the way Randy said, um, just because someone else talked, uh, shared it. Uh, it's really cool. It's really cool. Like in, in a way you're almost having to learn how people are changing their behavior exactly. the same way. I always give examples like Uber had to with taxis exactly. or companies like DocuSign or EcoSign had to do with e-signatures, right? It's, it's changing this behavior that we've, we've done in such a silly way, but we've always done it. So, you know, really, really cool. The type of challenges it's, you know, it, it, I'll give you one product idea though, that I had while we're going through this podcast right. and I'm sure you get, you know, endless, you know, product ideas. And I think part of what's so great about Calendly is that uh, it's simple. Um, but we're talking about all this content and all those email confirmations that go out. How cool would it be if you could drop in relevant content for someone to read ahead of that meeting? Oh, that would goodness, be pretty yeah. cool. Um, nice. I, you, can, you can just pay me a dollar royalty for each of the 400,000 views. <laughs> everyone I'm going to send straight. To. And, and, and we'll call it even. We'll call it even. Here, yeah. You know? I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we've, we've got just enough time here. We, we always like to get to know our guests, uh, you know, behind, behind the job. Um, so I've got a few quick little rapid fire questions for you. We'll, we'll do a lightning round here. Quick one or two ants, one or two word answers here. Um, so we'll start off with your name, right? We, you know, for everyone who listens to content pros, Jeff and I take a really conscious effort before the show to make sure we can pronounce people's names. <laughs> so, you know, we know your name, your last name is pronounced Sullen. I'll let people look up the spelling. <laughs> what is the worst pronunciation of your name that you've ever heard? Oh my goodness. Um, well, back in the days when telemarketers would still call your house, we got some really interesting ones. Um, so Sue Trop is the most common mispronunciation and it doesn't offend me whatsoever uh, because if I were new to this name, I wouldn't know the first way to approach it. Um, a funny story behind that is actually my, my mom, uh, this is, you know, a, a, this is a very, very old story, but it's, it just speaks to the name itself. Um, my mom, when she got one of her first jobs, um, she, <laughs> she, uh, received like one of those little, um, name placards that sits at the front of your desk. Um, and when it was, when her name, when her, her name placard was delivered to her, um, they had actually, her first name is, is Kathy. And they had actually re- not realized that she had, um, that first name. They thought her name was Sue Ellen. Um, so, <laughs> so her placard said Sue Ellen Trop. Um, nice. so yeah, That's I would awesome. say that is the most repeat mispronunciation, um, Fair enough. which is perfectly Fair fine. Enough. If that's, if that's how you, if that's how you look at it and assume that's how it said, that is okay. <laughs> cool. All right. Just to get to know you a little bit more, what are you watching on Netflix? Ooh, um, Grace and Frankie, love Grace and Frankie. Uh, and then, um, on a lighter note, uh, I will easily binge watch or re-binge watch um, episode of Parks and Rec anytime. Nice, nice. <laughs> that's that's classic. That's classic. All right, the last one to get to know you. What is the best time to meet in the day? I mean, you know, given everything, Calendly, what's the best time for you? And if you have any data, like what's the most common meeting time that people actually use on a daily basis? Oh, that's such a good question, um, and that can vary so wildly, uh, but. From a, from a personal standpoint and from what I've seen very successful people do, um, the best time to meet is afternoon. Um, so once you've had a morning, so once you've had the morning to be productive, um, and ideally you've, you've scheduled your meeting days to just a couple of weeks. So maybe you only take meetings on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or maybe you only take them at the end of the week. Um, but you, you block them into a certain time and they don't live outside of that. Um, that allows you to focus those other times that no one can meet with you on forward moving productive work, um, rather than having your entire calendar be filled with meetings and and then you're not moving forward. True. Plus, plus I guess afternoon you can include a beer, right? Right. Oh yeah. It all all comes (laughs) full circle. Way more fun, way more casual. Absolutely. It's very awkward (laughs) toward that beer at 11. Um, awesome. Claire, thanks so much for taking the time today. Uh, This has been a really fun episode, having you on, hearing the story of growth with Calendly and how as marketers, we really need to adapt to the stage of growth and how content plays a role for our company. I'm Randy Frisch on behalf of Uberflip. I've got Jeff Cohen, who's been great with me here from Oracle Marketing Cloud. Uh, You can find all other episodes of Content Pros at contentprospodcast.com. We're also available at iTunes, Stitcher, Wherever you can find your content, you can go find some time, book some time in your calendar, listen to more of these. You can use Catly to do that or just jump into your calendar and block off some time. We really appreciate you taking the time and look forward to you tuning in the next time. 
Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by Audio